0: Hi everybody, welcome to the Don't Miss This podcast, a come follow me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler.
1: We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't wanna miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening, we hope you enjoy the show.
0: Hi there, I'm David Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're super glad that you are here. Um, What is that you ask? (laughs) Oh, it is an Easter banner. Um, If you are new around here um, or if you're an old friend, hey, uh, (laughs) one thing you have known or might want to know is how much we adore and love Easter. And you might be thinking to yourself, it is February, why do you want to be talking about Easter right now?
1: And what we want to tell you first of all is, well first of all that I decorate for Christmas on November 1st. You should know that because it takes that long for my heart to get all ready for the celebration of Christmas. And we love doing that same thing for Easter. We want the countdown, that prepare your heart time of getting ready for Easter, which is something we're not as familiar with. But there are people in the Christian world who are really good at that. In fact, they take 40 days to prepare for Easter to come. And so that's something we've kind of adopted over the last couple years, and in the Christian world, it's called Lent.
0: And just like Advent, which is that period leading up to Christmas, is an anticipation for the coming of Christmas, Lent is a season that prepares your heart sacrificially um, and joyfully, kind of at the same time, to look forward 40 days leading up to Easter, to just to ready your heart and home for that high and holy holiday. We just consider it the highest day of the year.
1: Yep, and for Christians, what that looks like is to either let go of something for 40 days, or I have a good friend, I love that she lets go of something that is maybe keeping her away from a better relationship with Christ, and then she actually adds something back into that space that just allows her that connection process with Christ. So it's an easy way to prepare, is just that thought of either what can I give up for 40 days or what do I want to add for 40 days as I prepare to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we do that, we thought it would be so fun. Well, first of all, should we say the exciting announcement? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? We have a new book coming out, everyone. We are so excited about it. It's something that we're passionate about, and that is just recognizing Jesus in unexpected situations. In fact, we wish we would have titled the book, The Unexpected Jesus, but everybody felt like it was a better title for The Unexpected Deliverer, and so that's what this looks like.
0: And Emily lost her book, her copy of the book, so that is a printout from the computer.
1: I really did. I need to get a new one. Don't worry, I will. But when we were doing this, we really wanted it to be part of your Easter this year. And so we were like, what could we do? And inside the book, there's these really awesome pictures drawn by Jenny Fowler, who also did the cover art for us. And we took each of those pictures and one of our favorite lessons from each of the chapters in the book of how we see Jesus in unexpected ways. And we made this free banner for you that you can download. And we'll put the link to that in the newsletter so you can easily find it. And you'll be able to download that banner. And we're going to talk about it on our Instagrams at Mr. Dave Butler and Emily Bell Freeman. You're doing Wednesdays. Wednesdays. And I will do Sundays all the way up until Easter. So we can just have this celebration and anticipation of Jesus and just counting down until Easter comes. So we thought you might like to be a part of that with us so you can watch for that starting this week.
0: Yeah. February 17th is Ash Wednesday and that is the beginning of Lent and it goes all the way up until Easter Sunday. So um, we hope you'll join with us in whatever ways that you want to ready your heart for that beautiful day that is coming. Um, okay, are you ready for section 18 and 19? One thing we should tell you is, um, remember this picture of the board you can find in the newsletter, and we are going to be a little bit more particular about telling you what goes in each box as you study along, because we've are we frustrated some of you, and so we are going <laughs> to tell you like what kind of goes in each box. Starting with this top box, which is the prayer and the need and the situation, one of the things that is important that we love about the Doctrine and Covenants is it's an answer to people's questions. Um, And that is a pattern that continues into our day. And so we like the idea of studying it in the past so we can see it better right now. The story of the restoration is Joseph had questions and Jesus had answers. And our questions will be different today, but Jesus still has answers. And so one thing that makes each section come alive is to know what was the prayer, what was the need and what was the situation that they had? And it, and then it helps that answer like, oh, I can see that in more context and I can see why that would have been really helpful or why that would have um, stung a little or why, you know, yeah. how that would have pushed them along in the right direction. Um, so we have two sections for this one, 18 and 19, which... As we do this week and next week's lesson, it, um, next week you're going to see is the, kind of the reorganization of the church, and it's almost like the Lord sets a trajectory for His disciples. Like, almost like, here's the marching orders for the time period leading up to the second coming. And uh, as we were talking about it beforehand, that's just kind of a thought I kept having where it was just like, the Lord's almost saying, I want you to remember these really important things, because details and situations are going to change along the way but please hold on to these core truths as you move through whatever happens.
1: Yeah, that's so good. So 18 yeah. is going to be a revelation that comes for Oliver
0: and David, and Whitmer and Joseph. Joseph. And here's what's going on. You're gonna notice if you open up to 18, it's gonna start like this. Here's why the context matters. It says, now behold, because of the thing which you, my servant Oliver, have desired to know of me, I give unto you these words. Now, it wouldn't be helpful to know what the thing is so that, and it's just not in here. And so, some of the places we love to look are Stephen Harper's book, Making Sense of the Doctrine and Covenants, um, that we have some quotes linked in on our website a lot of times also who's who in the doctrine and covenants some of the quotes we use will also be on our website don't miss we love the joseph smith papers um, we'll have links to that each week um, revelations in context on your app all those brought together we'll try to synthesize the best stuff for so you so that's
1: going to be new we actually have not done that in the past it will just be starting this week with this video you'll be able to go to don't miss And there will be a blog post for the week, and it will have, if we refer to a conference talk, it's going to be there. If we refer to something from these books, uh, it will be there. You're going to be able to find everything that we talk about. We're going to try and keep in one place that you can just get back to easily as you're preparing your lessons.
0: One-stop shop. Yeah,
1: that's so good. So,
0: here's the thing. That's what's going on. Um, The Lord's hinted at a couple times, Section 10 of the Doctrine and Covenants, that there would be His church reorganized on the earth. Um, They are finishing the translation of the Book of Mormon right during section 18. And they are now in reorganize the church mode. And Joseph's like 22, Oliver's 23, (laughs) David Whitmer's 22, and none of them have organized a church before in their life. So what do they do? They go to the Lord and they say, how should we do this? And section 18 is the answer to that question of, How, like, how do we structure it? Like, what's it look like? How do we, you know, put it together? And Joseph gives Oliver that job. You write up the kind of constitution of the organization of the new church. And so that's the question. That's the thing that has been on my servant Oliver's mind.
1: And I just wanna say this as we get into it, because I think there's such a great lesson just in that first part. The fact that those boys were 22 and 23 and 24, whatever ages that they were, and they were tasked with this great work of starting this church, which might make some of us feel a little bit of anxiety to think (laughs) about that. I had the opportunity to spend some time with a group of young single adults a week ago in a situation where we were talking about building the kingdom. And I just sat back and listened to their voices and their perspective and their ideas and the thoughts that they had for bringing strength into their communities. And as I sat there and listened, I thought to myself, this is a wise generation who has a great work to do. And if you happen to be just that age in your 20s, and you might be watching this right now, I hope you would know that is true of you. Isn't that what you would say to that group of 20-year-olds? You can do amazing things and you're going to watch people who are just your age coming to the Lord with a need or a situation or a question and allowing Him to work in them. And I think too, to like give courage. That's what they needed. He lit a fire under them. He gave them courage. He said to them, you're capable of this. Great work. You are capable of doing this and the same would be true for you in your life and in your story.
0: Yeah, amen. Uh, This is a story of ridiculously normal people (laughs) Uh, just being called and, and figuring it out, you know, and working together, asking the questions and it's what's so beautiful about this portion of the restoration story and what's beautiful about our portion. And of as we think about, story.
1: even just thinking about our Easter book, one of the unexpected things that we notice about Jesus Christ is he loves to use ruffians to bring to pass his great work. He did it in the New Testament and he's doing it again now. So if you feel like you are a ruffian, then
0: welcome to the club. Yeah, and he's yeah. got
1: some stuff for you to do,
0: <laughs> which is rad. So keep reading in 18. It says, I've manifested to you by my spirit. Many times the things that you've written are true. And if you ask yourself, what has he been writing? Oh, the Book of Mormon. They're working on the Book of Mormon right now. And then he says, and if you know they're true, this is verse 3, I give you commandment, rely upon those things which are written. So the question was, how and what do we do to build up the church? And the answer was, go rely on the things that you've been writing. Or in other words, go open up that manuscript that you have and pull things out of there. And this is a little bit of the context for section 20 also. Um, because that section 20 is kind of going to be the result of what Oliver first starts writing out. But you'll notice when you read in that how much of it Oliver pulled from the Book of Mormon. Like the sacrament prayers, he pulled from the Book of Mormon. Some of the organizational structure, he pulled from the Book of Mormon. And he pulls all those things. That was the answer. The Lord says, go look in what you just wrote. And that's gonna help you write this.
1: Which don't you love that, that you're gonna start watching this pattern of what the Lord's church looks like. And you're gonna see it in the New Testament and then we see a second witness of it in the Book of Mormon. And then we're gonna watch it play out again in the Doctrine and Covenants, almost as if he's like, watch for what's familiar here. Which yeah. I love that part. I also love in verse six when he says, behold, the world is ripening in iniquity and it must needs be that the children of men are stirred up unto repentance. And this is what I love about it that as you think about the world ripening in iniquity, and I feel like we know something of that in the world we live in today. And one of the things that I notice the most is that almost like the stirring of the pot that so many people want to get in and just stir the emotion, stir the division, stir everything that's going on. And I love that We read in six and it feels like the Lord is like, don't just sit back and and watch that take place. But get in to the mix of it and stir things up, right? He's stir people up unto repentance. That's the job for these ruffians at that time. And we were talking before we started that that's a little bit the job of all of us. There's so many resources we have to stir people up to things that are good. And are we using those resources to bring that goodness.
0: And this is what he says in in the thing. He's like, don't get lost in in the weeds of this, but he puts this order, and this is where you'll start seeing this on the the study guide sheet where he just says, in those things that are written, you're gonna find concerning the foundation of my church and my gospel and my rock. Um, Wherefore, this is verse five, if you build up my church, build it upon the foundation of my gospel and my rock, and then the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So he says, yes, we're gonna build up like certain roles and responsibilities and organizational structure, but that church needs to be built upon my gospel, which is built on my rock. And I bet you're already having so many thoughts in your mind flooding through about references in the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. about his gospel and about that rock. And we put some of those cross references just in this in the study guide there, but like one of the great places we love learning about the gospel is um, in 3 Nephi 27. Um, if that's where Oliver could have gone to, you know, in the Book of Mormon to learn a little bit about that. And did you pull that up?
1: Yeah, I love this one. We've got this square right here that you'll notice with a cross on it, right next to those three things, my church, my gospel, and my rock. And this is what it says in 3 Nephi 27:13. Behold, I have given unto you my gospel And this is my gospel, he says, which I have given unto you, that I came into the world to do the will of my father because my father sent me. And he came to lift up. That's what he came to do, to draw all men unto me is what he says. That is his gospel. And I love that as we look at the gospel and the principles and the ordinances and the covenants, those are set out in front of us to lift us right, to help us become something, to draw us to him. So when you look at those things, why do we live what we call the gospel, those things, the the rhythm of the gospel that we live every week, that's to help lift us up. That's to draw us to him. That's why he came. That's his gospel, is to draw us to him. And that's what those things should be doing every week is that
0: Drawing us. Yeah. And every aspect of that organized church, whatever roles or responsibilities you may play in it for whatever season are to that end. Like, he's just like, make sure that this church is built up on that mission of Jesus Christ to lift and gather all of God's children together. That is what he's trying to help them understand right from the very beginning. Do not lose that perspective is what he's saying right at the get go.
1: It's so interesting because Grace is taking a class at BYU right now, and she wrote to us Sunday morning a text and said, I want you, everyone in your sacrament meeting, wherever you are, to listen to all the hymns and listen to all the talks. And I want you to text me how many times Jesus is mentioned. And then also because the class she's taking at BYU right now is a class on learning to better understand the role of Jesus Christ atonement and the cross in our belief so she said will you please write down how many times the cross is mentioned or the atonement of Jesus Christ is mentioned and then send it back to me and it was so fun to listen to everybody's church in that regard because there were 11 of us who all went to church and we all wrote in what we experienced and just to see where does Jesus Christ fit into the gospel? And when you consider your last sacrament meeting, or maybe you'll look at your next one and think, how often is He mentioned? And if that, if that is the gospel, the fact that He came to earth to lift us up through His sacrifice, through the sacrifice that took place on the cross, are we talking about that? Is that part of our witness and our testimony and what we believe? Because that's the gospel.
0: Yeah, and then he kind of moves to starting to talk to Oliver and talk about, okay, let's talk about a particular role or responsibility that you will have that helps lead to that end. And it's neat that he starts in seven and says, as you've been baptized by the hands of my servant, Joseph Smith Jr., according to that which I've commanded him, and he's fulfilled the thing which I commanded him, because Joseph had a particular job to baptize Mm -hmm. Oliver and others. Marvel not that I've called him unto mine own purpose, which purpose is known in me. This is verse eight. Wherefore, if he shall be diligent in keeping my commandments that I've given to him particularly, he shall be blessed unto eternal life. And his name is Joseph. And now, Oliver, I speak unto you by way of commandment that your job is going to be this particular thing. He says, I am gonna call you even like I called Paul, mine apostle, and give you that same calling. Um, now that's a, a word that um, could be used a couple different ways, right? In the way that, that we talk about it. And one of the ways that it's taught here, that word apostle is a word that means, we have the little box here, two things that we maybe want you to think about. One of them is that word apostle is one sent. Someone who's sent on an errand. Someone who is sent by the Lord to do a particular calling or, or mission or responsibility. It's also we find... Uh, a phrase um, that means someone who has taken the name of Jesus Christ upon them and his power and his authority. and so
1: and you find that in verse twenty seven of this same chapter eighteen twenty seven he's talking about now the twelve, the twelve who shall be my disciples or the apostles, they shall take upon them my name, and the twelve are they who shall desire to take upon them my name. With full purpose of heart, and don't you love the thought of that? Not just taking his name, but taking his name with full purpose. And when we think about their call to be special witnesses of the, Jesus Christ, of the name of, of Jesus. the name of yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: Um, and it's just interesting because this section kind of sets up what's not going to happen for another six years. Um, Oliver and David and Martin are going to get their responsibility to find and choose members of the quorum of the, the original quorum of the 12 apostles six years later from this revelation, but they're giving the instruction right now. It's like, this is what I want you to look for. This is what they're going to have a particular calling to do and a responsibility to have. But as we were talking, we also see so much carryover into what all of our responsibilities and, and particular missions might be. Yes, members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles might particularly during a season of their life hold priesthood keys for administering the new and everlasting covenant and have particular responsibilities. And Oliver will have a particular responsibility set up the organization of the church right now. And David will have his particular um, responsibilities. But something you were saying, do you want to bring this up now? Yeah, I love this part so
1: much because he says to him in verse 8, marvel not that I have called him unto my own purpose, which purpose is known to me. And just exactly what you're talking about, that everyone has a purpose. And then it's so interesting, because at the end of verse eight, he says this, and his name is Joseph. Now, there are a million things he could have said right there when he talked about this man who was going to have a purpose, and the purpose was known by him, and he was going to be diligent to this. And then He could have said to him, and his name is prophet, right? Or, and his name is seer, or his name is translator. He could have said any of those things.
0: And sometimes he will tell him what his responsibilities are, right? But
1: he doesn't define Joseph by his responsibility. I love that he defines him by his name, right? And his name is Joseph. I know him. I know who he is. It reminds us clear back in the New Testament. You remember when we studied the man at the Gadarenes. And when everyone else looked at him, this was how they described him. He was at the tombs. He had no clothes on. He cut himself night and day. He was bound in chains. They saw a, a description or a responsibility in that in that person. And when Jesus walks up to that man, the very first thing he says to him is, what is your name? Now, of course, Jesus knew what his name was, but you love that. He's trying to remind the man behind all of that situation. Who are you? Right? Who, who's at the core of you? I want to know your soul. What is your name? And I love that even here, he says to Oliver, his name is Joseph. This is the 22 year old boy or whatever he is who's sitting next to you. That's who I'm talking about right now. <clears throat> I think we sometimes get so caught up in titles and who has what title and who doesn't have that title. And and we feel like our worth in God's eyes might be determined by a title. And I love that the Lord sets that clear really fast here because he says, his name is Jesus. I don't need you to know, or his name is Joseph.
0: Oh, I was like whoa. Wow. <laughs> All I don't
1: need you to know his title. I don't need you to know his responsibility. I need you to know his name. Like this is the kid sitting next to you. That's who I'm talking about. And that's and who I see. And that's who
0: I see. And that's, who, see. And yeah. that's who
1: I'm going to use. And I have a purpose that I have purposed for him right now, just as Joseph. And sometimes I'm
0: gonna send him forth with this responsibility, and sometimes I'm gonna send him forth with that responsibility, and it's gonna change, and things are gonna be added on. But again, don't forget first, like all of those responsibilities Mm -hmm. and jobs are to an end of helping all people come and be lifted up unto God. Come to know Jesus, and come to know the Father.
1: But first and foremost, he was just Joseph. And I love when he says in verse 10, remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God, not the worth of titles. Don't be thinking that what is most important in God's eyes is a title because what's most important is a soul and every soul has a name and he knows that name. And we just love the thought of that and how how much it speaks of who he is people ask me all the time. I think this probably happens to you too. Because every time we teach a chapter of scripture, or a book of scripture, or even an entire scripture, we'll get in it. And then we'll say, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite verse in this chapter, this you're gonna love this part. We say that all the time, you know, because you've been with us. And people ask us all the time, what is our, our favorite. And I think I know yours, I know, you know, mine, I'm gonna guess the prodigal son for you. Good job. Okay, good. And um, this is mine. And it's actually a footnote in this lesson. Right underneath that, in Doctrine and Covenants 1810, you're gonna see a reference that's gonna take you to Isaiah 43.
0: And we have this box on here to like, the question is what do we learn about the worth of souls from this other prophet, this other man (laughs) sent forth, this other, you know, ruffian probably, you know, it was just like to preach a message.
1: Um, one through five are my favorite verses, and I'm just going to pull out lines from there. And as I'm pulling them out, if you have a journal that you're using, will you just write down your favorite words or phrases that stick out to you from these verses? He says this in Isaiah 43, starting in verse one, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, fear not for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name, thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle against thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Since thou wast precious in my sight, I have loved thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. I love that this is so personal, right? He says to you, I know your name. You are mine. Um, I redeemed you. I'm going to be with you when the floods come. I'm going to walk with you in the fire. My job as refiner is to make sure you come through that and you're better for it at the end. And the reason why I do it is because I love you, because you're precious to me. So you don't have any reason to fear what I have purposed for you or what I have set out for you, because I'm going to be with you in that. I'm going to walk with you. And sometimes I think to myself, when people get caught up in that discussion about names or, or titles um, or what we're called in the church, and I think to myself, what I want to be called is His. That's what I want to be called. I want to be called Beloved. There is not a title anywhere in the organization of the church that would be more important to me than that. Because if if I know him the way Isaiah describes that relationship, then I'm going to do anything he purposes for me. Because the most important thing in my world is to fulfill that purpose. Because I love him. And that's what I want to do.
0: Um, we were... Emily was texting me over something earlier, asking me what stake that I'm a part in, and I would say, oh, I actually love the name of my (laughs) stake because it's called the Jordan River Stake. And we talk about that Jordan River as the place where Jesus was baptized. And our own baptism, interestingly enough, is a time where we talk about beginning to take upon us, you know, His name. And when we talk about that, we were just talking earlier that when Jesus was being baptized in that river, Um, He heard um, the Father speak from heaven. And what the Father said to him was, I know you. You're my son. You are beloved. Beloved is a word that means fully loved. You're fully loved. And I'm so thrilled with you. And he said that to Jesus before he ever began his ministry. If you look at what Jesus did before his baptism it was nothing he was born in a barn and got lost at the temple that is all (laughs) i'm sure he did other stuff but you know in the way that it's written it just is almost at the beginning before he ever goes out and and does what god called him to do
1: right which is interesting he wasn't the shepherd yet he wasn't messiah yet i mean he would be but in that moment in the river all of those titles were nothing yet other than jesus who everyone knew him by and then the one he was given
0: yeah but known and fully loved and 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 I'm thrilled over you and and when you'll start noticing throughout section 18 how often it says that we take his name upon us and the name that we would like to think about in 18 is the name of beloved that name of fully loved and fully accepted and watched over and cared for and, and
1: needed you know, to know that there is a purpose for you. He has, he has purposed something for you. You don't need a title to be able to do his work. In this chapter, the only title Joseph had was Joseph and Oliver was Oliver and look at the great work that they were doing and I, I just love that thought of him saying at the very beginning, just remember this, there is nothing worth more to me than your soul. Nothing. And and to remember that I see you. I see you as the boy down the street. And I have a purpose for you. I just love the thought of the simplicity of that. Sometimes we get so caught up in the stirring and we forget, you know, it's it's really simple. It's just Jesus first, and then second to know we are his.
0: Yeah. That's the gospel. That is the rock, the bedrock that you can build your foundation upon. That's what he was saying first and foremost. And we talk about that word worth and worth is um, something that you're willing to pay for something else. That's Mm -hmm. what something's worth. If like my boys collect baseball cards and they're like, dad, what's this one worth? And I was like, well, it depends on what someone would pay for it. That's what, that's economics 101. And he says in verse 11, your Lord and Redeemer suffered death in the flesh he suffered the pain of all men, that all men might come, repent and come unto him. The worth of a soul is what someone was willing to pay for it and God was willing to pay all. He was willing to suffer all and offer all so that all might come unto him.
1: You love the cost of his life for the price of yours. Yeah. And then you ask, what is the worth? Right. In that moment.
0: And it's everything, you're worth everything. And that's what he says this, skip down to 15. He says, if you would labor all your days in crying repentance into this people and bring, save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy. It would be worth it, he says, for you to labor all your days for one soul. That's the value and worth of a single soul. So at the beginning, he's like, "How whatever I send you forth to do, please do not lose sight of that for yourself and do not lose sight of that for anybody. And, and to those apostles, the 12 will later call, he says, you remember that in your calling too when that time comes, you know?
1: Yep, and you love that every purpose is just as important to the Lord. Joseph's purpose is just as important in the Lord's plan as Oliver's purpose, and when we turn to section 19, we're gonna find out that even Martin's purpose becomes paramount to the Lord and his kingdom and his work. And we talked a little bit before that sometimes we get caught up in those titles and maybe instead what we need to look at is our role. And what is our role worth to him? And and where are we needed most right now? Because sometimes that's that role that is of the most worth is gonna be in the walls of our home. For me, when I look at my greatest, work, my greatest accomplishment. I will tell you it has been with my five children. There's nothing in this world that has brought me greater happiness, no success greater than what has happened in our home. And some of those successes have come with a lot of pain and and they're not done yet. Like there's times I'm up all night pleading over one of those kids. And I, I feel like probably success doesn't come until after everything, right? We'll go clear after this life and a thousand years after that, that we're going to be pleading and praying and doing the work in our home. And sometimes that's our greatest role is that. And sometimes we'll find out with Martin, our greatest role has to do with our property. And sometimes our greatest role like Oliver has to do with collecting people. And I love that God's like, let me purpose you, right? Let me, let me tell you the purpose I have purposed for you. Let me be in charge of that. And you just pray and I'll let you know where you're needed right now. And sometimes that role might be called something. And sometimes that role might be called Emily Freeman. And, and that might be what that role is for that. Time period. But to be beloved in both of those situations and to have a purpose in those situations, that should be our our highest privilege, I feel like.
0: And I think if everyone just embraced that about themselves and about other people and it's like, oh God organized the kingdom for a reason. He gathered us together for a reason for us to each play our own parts and our own strengths in just helping each mm. other find Jesus, be lifted up unto Him. And That's so just, good. Yeah, it's neat to think of all pulling that all together. So the rest of the section really is particularly toward that future 12, but there's so much value that you will find in seeing it because every person who is sent forth is sent forth with the same goal in mind. The particulars might be different, but it's the same goal in mind for all of them which takes us into 19, which is uh, Mm -hmm. Martin Harris's kind of particular purpose at this time. Do you you love my guy, Martin? Yes. (laughs) He just keeps coming back.
1: You might wanna go back to the top here because now we're gonna talk about a different prayer and need and situation because 19 is gonna have Martin's need and his situation and go back. We love that Martin just keeps coming
0: back. Yeah, and I love Martin Harris so much. I just am getting more and more endeared to him Because what I see in section 19 is, well, let me tell you what's happening. Now it's time to print the Book of Mormon. The manuscript is done and they're going to print it. And they want to print 5,000 copies of this book, which is a ridiculous amount of books to print in frontier America. This is like (laughs) such a lofty goal for them, and it's gonna cost $3,000, which is the worth of 150 acres, so you just look up what 150 acres is worth, and that <laughs> nowadays, is Nowadays, yeah, and, I know,
1: seriously, nowadays. Yeah,
0: and you're. that's how much this is gonna cost, right? For them to be able to print this book, and normally a printer will kind of take some of the risk, but there are people like starting to spread rumors around Palmyra, don't buy the book when it's printed, um, and so the printer, E.B. Grandin, Says, I'm not printing this book unless you offer some sort of collateral up front. I'm not taking the risk on it because I don't know if anybody's going to buy it. And so they look to Martin because 22 year olds don't have jobs. <laughs> and, they... and Martin is
1: 56. Yeah, at and this he's time. got so some. He has land and it's beautiful. If you've ever been out there, his property was such. Beautiful property. It really was.
0: Which is such an important part of this. Like if you go out there, you need to go to that land because you will then find yourself in Martin's story because here's a man who is being asked, mortgage your farm um, as the collateral for the book. And this is a man who comes in section 19 who's so vulnerable, a little wounded because Mm -hmm. of, think of his past a little bit coming and just saying, I love this work. I also love my farm at the same time. And and he's like, I, he's having such a hard time giving it up because he really is afraid it's gonna be lost. He's like, I'm afraid no one's gonna buy the Book of Mormon and I'm gonna lose my whole farm and I'm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. lose everything, you know, for this. And so that's 19. That's Martin coming to Joseph saying, Please, I need another revelation. And the first answer, Joseph says, he already gave you one. It's back in section five and 10. And then he's just like, I need another one. I have to have another one. I,
1: Which I love that. Me because too. <laughs> I am so the person that is like, every time I need to move the next way forward, I love to just say to Greg, I need a blessing. I just, I would feel better if I have a blessing. And I love that I'm married to the type of person that doesn't say... I gave you one already. You've had a blessing this year, right? You've had a blessing this month already. I love that when I say, I just feel like I need a blessing. Greg says, this is what time we will do the blessing. Sometime tonight when things have quieted down. But I just love that thought of that's the kind of God we have. That he's like, if you need a blessing, okay.
0: Yeah. Now you will find a lot of sweet, significance in this section when you have that background in that prayer and that need when you consider what's happening section 19 is famous sometimes because it will include the only spot in scripture where the savior will talk about um, his atonement in first person um, it doesn't happen anywhere else before or after this and so when you have a man who comes to the lord and says is there any other way then you have someone who's who already asked that same question, responding to him, and that's what makes section nineteen really, really sweet and, mm-hmm. and tender. And some of the language that we're going to look at does not sound like that when you first see it, but you have to remember that that's who is talking in the context of this in order to, I think, that's really so appreciate good. the beauty yep. in it. And so. Um, we have a couple of things in here that we just want to highlight. I mean, you'll read through this whole thing and just find a lot of sweetness as, as you read it. But as he encourages, <laughs> this is a cry, section 19 for consecration. Mm. It's a cry for like Martin. you're, what's that line in here? And that you, and filling that his you loved um, that one about yeah. those priorities. Yeah, that's and it's so good. it's
1: filling his purpose really, but. Before we go there, let's go here and then let's read that quote. Because oh, okay. it's so neat just to talk about one of the first things the Lord says to him is, you gotta repent. That's that's the first thing which I wanna I want to think to myself, that's so hard because I just want you to say to me, you're doing a great job and yes, go ahead and do this <laughs> and it's all gonna work out, right? That's the blessing I would have wanted. And I love that the Lord is gonna a little bit tutor Martin right now. And we're going to walk through this tutoring process that he goes through. And he starts out first by saying, you need to repent. And you know we love talking about this word, repent. How um, it's not meant to be a penance, but it's more of just a, a turning again to Christ. I, I need you to turn to me, the Lord says. It's almost that Peter on the water moment where he's like, Martin, you cannot look at the waves and the wind. You can't. That repent is... Focusing again on me. That's where your courage is going to come from. And we love that experience that happened recently with Elder Holland.
0: Yeah, and and um, I love this too, this thought, that, that word repent. He's going to say in, in right after these verses about um, his own suffering. In verse 18, he says, This suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit. And I love that that word repent every time is a reminder of that. You can because I paid this for you. It is a reminder mm-hmm. of what you are worth. Every time that word is spoken, mm-hmm. it is a reminder of worth. He's like, you can because I did this. It's a, it's available for you. but. And you
1: love that it almost is that, could you just focus on me for a minute? Because what I'm going to remind you is what I told you in Isaiah 43, right? I am your savior. I redeemed you. I know your name. I'm going to walk through this with you. That's what I'm going to do for you. That's repentance. Right. It's him saying, could you just refocus and remember? I know you. I know what you're capable of. And I know how to help you. Get there.
0: you got your eyes on the farm and I would like you to move your eyes to me, yes. you know? Yeah. So there's this great interview that we're going to link on, on our website or new website is that yeah, we're going to put on, it? on the website. You'll see the link there with Elder Holland during the um, pandemic is when this happened. And it's interesting because he kind of talks about that this trial and this kind of shakeup of life stirred him to think about something, stirred him to repentance, and he gives a new definition of repentance that, um, or you know, another word for it, which is a rebalance. Repentance is a chance to like rebalance ourselves. Like get our footing. Like he started in 18, let me give you your footing, the rock, let me give you that rock first in your footing. And he also gives these phrases, which you can fill in your one, two, and three here. It's a turning to God, it's a recognizing of his hand and it's a chance to make changes is, is what that is. And we put these verses 13 through 17 that sound a little bit harsh. You know, he's like, I command you to repent lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth. And, and
1: how exquisite will your pain be yeah. and your <laughs> sorrow? And yeah, sometimes you read it and you're like, well, that doesn't sound very nice or tender or sweet.
0: It sounds like a threat. Yeah, it sounds like a threat. You better do this or else...
1: Yeah. It's yeah. I'm gonna get you. I love when you said it's an or else. That's yeah. what it reads as. Except for that, I was thinking just barely. I just had my grandkids for the past week and they wanted to make cupcakes one day. And we made the cupcakes and they were so excited. You know how they are. They like we stood at the oven and watched them cook. That's how excited <laughs> we were for the things. And when it was finally time to get them out, I had Ariya in my arms and I opened up the oven and I went to reach for the pans. And she stuck her hand in to help me and I grabbed her hand as fast as I could and just said, no, don't touch that, it's hot. And I said to her, you'll get burned, your hand will get burned. And as you think about that, I I wasn't scaring her, I wasn't trying to frighten her, but I wanted to protect her and I actually took her hand in that moment and I pulled it into the oven with my hand holding it and said to her, do you feel that? That's hot, that's hot. That's what hot feels like. It will burn you and took her hand back. And it was cute because I'm sure you've all done that. If you've had those little toddlers, every time she walked past the oven for the rest of the day, she would point at it and say, hot. (laughs) So we all knew it was hot. But I love reading those verses with that in mind that he, it's almost as if he's saying, listen, you can, you can do that but it's gonna be painful and not just a little painful. That pain is gonna be exquisite. It's, it is gonna hurt you. How do I know? Because I experienced it already. I already did that for you. I'm telling you, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I will do it for you. And all of a sudden then those verses do become so sweet and so tender and you love, um, when we read in this book that we love, he says this, Second 19 is a reorienting revelation. That is Martin sees things from a narrow materialistic mortal perspective. And he needs to be turned to see things differently. And I love the thought of that because so often we see from a mortal perspective. Of course we do. We're mortal. We're (laughs) living in it. That's the perspective that we have in that moment. The most important thing for Martin was not losing the farm. He, he, just, he
0: just made me think, sometimes I'll like say to Jenny, I was like, oh, you're thinking like a girl. And she was like, well, I'm a girl. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, if someone's like, you're, you're thinking, thinking like mortally, mortal. and it's like, well, duh, <laughs> like, you know, I am.
1: Um, he says this, the revelation opens his eyes for he had been blind. It reorients Martin by asserting priorities different from his. He is most concerned about his financial security. The Lord is most concerned about the welfare of his soul. And I love that. That It goes back to exactly what we were talking about at the beginning. It's his soul. That's what the Lord cares the most about.
0: Yeah, and I think it would be important to say we don't know exactly what the Lord sees in Martin and whether he's telling him. Like it sounds like when you read it that he's saying, I can't believe you love that farm so much. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, of course you would love it. And God made the farm in the first place. So mm. it's like, of course you would love it. But yeah. God sees something in Martin that needs to be checked or reoriented. If he were to follow down. Whatever it is that his perspective currently is, it's going to lead to pain. Yeah, And he is trying to reorient that and, and switch that. And you can see that tenderness in 18 and 19 in the spot that says not shrinking because it's almost oh, as talk if... talk
1: about that part. We didn't... Yeah, I love this, this, that part so much. Yeah, yes.
0: it's almost as if he is saying to him, um, Martin, I know what it's like to not want to do a particular thing, to have a task in front of you that you think is going to require too much, that I can't give that much. Because he says, I, I, I did, I, it, I, I was there, that suffering caused me to get to the point that I would, that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. I wanted to give up. But then he says, nevertheless, verse 19, glory be to the Father. And I partook and I finished my preparations unto the children of men. Nevertheless, my, I put my heart on the glory of the Father, the work mm-hmm. of the Father, the family of the Father. And I knew, I knew that the worth of those souls was worth the pain that I would go through.
1: Yeah. And so, so I good. did not
0: shrink. But don't you love that that empathy there? Yes, oh, Martin?
1: I know how this feels. I know how this feels. Mm-hmm. And we're all gonna have those shrinking moments. We all are those moments where we just need that courage to get through that place. And I love when we read in 26, when he says to him, I command thee that thou shalt not covet thine own property, but impart it freely to the printing of the Book of Mormon, which contains the truth and the word of God. And it's almost as if he's saying, Martin, why do you think you have those three properties? like? I have a plan i have a purpose and part of my purpose for you has to do with what you have to offer in that moment which sometimes frightens us a little bit but that the lord knows how to take that and to bless it and i love um when we read in 39 At the end, he's telling him this whole thing and he's like, Martin, and then repent. And then remember, I was in the same situation and I did it and this is what you have to do. You can't look at your farm as your farm. You've got to look at the bigger perspective here. That's going to help you. And in 39, he tells him, finally, when he's all done, can you read this without rejoicing? As if the Lord's (laughs) like, isn't this the best news you've been given ever in your life? And I'm sure Martin is like, I don't, I don't know. You know, there's still that struggle. It doesn't
0: sound like a nice thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that we are going to have those days, those times in our life where we have to look at what is my portion um, that he tells to Martin, impart a portion. That's what I need you to do. Impart a portion and then rejoice because you're doing it. And this question that we have right here, um, is he going to impart a A portion. Will he sell the farm? And I think the question is true for us too. Will we? Will we sell the farm in that moment? Are we willing to impart a portion even when it is so hard? Like it's keeping us up at night hard and praying with tears over hard. Are we willing to sell the farm in that moment? That's hard. And I love that the Lord's gonna show Martin at the end, that it was that it was worth it. You remember we talked about this before, um, when Martin finally comes to Salt Lake, and you all asked for that quote, and I'm going to put the full quote in the um, on the webpage so that you'll just have it when he said, "Send me money, and make sure you send me money for the return trip." Remember he tells Brigham Young, and then he gets there, and he gets back gathered in with the saints. And then there's that one moment when he's there and he's gazing at the temple and the tabernacle and beautiful Salt Lake City and he exclaims, who would have thought that the Book of Mormon would have done all this? And sometimes I a little bit wanna say to Martin, who would have thought that that little farm could have done all this, all this goodness, When we drive to Salt Lake, sometimes we should just think about Martin's farm. That's what we should think about when we get there. Because look at that sacrifice, those acres of land, what came of it in the end. And then it makes you just think to yourself, what's what's your portion?
0: Yeah, and at the beginning of the section, you know, when he says to him, like, I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I accomplished and finished the will of him who sent me. I did it, and I can see the end, the beginning and the end. And don't you just imagine Martin one day just looking at everyone's lives who's been touched by that, and then like Jesus pulling him close and saying, now look, do you think it was worth it to sell the farm? Like, I could see this picture already. And and I know it's hard. <laughs> he's that spot. But that's that last section where he says, I want you to trust me because of who I am and what I can see. and And I also feel like we can trust him because in this section, he lays it out really beautifully by saying, I'm only asking you to give what I've already given. When he asks us to labor all our days for one soul, he's already done that. He's not asking us to give mm-hmm. anything that he hasn't already done and given. And he's just, I, I'm just, oh, it's its so exalting. Yes, this thing is so is. exalting to like have Martin come before him and just like, I love this farm and I love you both at the same time. Is that okay? <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes. That's why I'm working together.
1: Yes, you know? with you. And, 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 and the refining process, right? From Isaiah, those floods are not going to drown you, Martin. And that fire is not going to burn you. It's not. It might be hot, but it's not going to burn you because he's going he's gonna to hold you as you walk through that thing that feels like it might be too hot for you. He's going to walk you through that. And you love um, going back to 18 verse 31 when he says this, Behold, my grace is sufficient for you. And I love the thought of that, that he might look at Martin and say, You know what, Martin, on your own, you probably can't do this. But with me, you can. And that's grace. That's him making up the difference. That's the enabling strength in those moments when we say, could you just take this part away? And then I think he looks and he's like, you know what? You, you can do this, what I've purposed for you. You can, and you will be better for it. And my grace will sustain you through it.
0: Martin did sell the farm. By the way, in case you're watching, thinking, well, did he? <laughs> like, yes, he did. That's where they got the money to print it. And he did lose that farm. He says later, though, that Joseph paid me that $3,000 back when they got to Kirtland and more. Um, I don't know if that means financially or any other way. But that is what ends up happening with this, with this story. And it's, it's just neat that we get to zoom in on one particular person's, mm-hmm. like, wrestle. That they have with this and that's that's my i have a different one it's not about imparting the farm it's not about shrinking with that one but it's a, it's a different one and it's so neat to think of because god could have found treasure he knew where there was yes. silver and gold and diamonds But he was to pay growing for his it. Soul. exactly he says don't forget what the purpose of all of this is you know is yeah. is to lift up the whole human family that yeah. is what i'm doing and And we'll all play a part in that. And remember these things. This is our bedrock. This is what we're about. Don't lose sight of of this.
1: So good. Okay, we'll see you next week.
0: Adios. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.